0: Hi, welcome to the Wilderness Medic podcast. My name is Daniel, um, and today for episode one, I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Lucy Obolensky. Um, Now, Lucy is a GP who works um, in the southwest of England. Um, She can also be found working in A&E, working uh, for HEMS, um, and she's also the uh, program lead for the Global Health Masters at the University of Plymouth. Um, She has been on some awesome expeditions, um, and uh, I look forward to having a chat with her. Welcome to the Wilderness Medic podcast. Check out our website at www.thewildernessmedic.com Expedition Resources,
1: Wilderness Medicine blog.
0: So, yeah thank you I know you're very busy so thanks for taking some time out to have a chat
1: uh, no problem at all thanks for inviting me along Dan
0: no you're very welcome so I suppose just to start off um how do you manage to do so many different things?
1: Um, well it's great to keep a bit of variety i think in your um working life um, and I'm very fortunate I think the reason I have as you sort of alluded to in the introduction I have t- taken a very Um, winding career path and I did start out in surgery wanting to do orthopaedics but I think in order to do what I wanted to do which was Quite a bit of expedition medicine and some international and global health you have to choose a career that's going to fit around that so i've uh, now do general practice and emergency medicine um, both of which offer sort of flexibility into a working career um which is fantastic so i'm able to do some remote medicine um and global health work uh during during my uk time which is so when i'm not working in the uk which is perfect
0: Yes, now that, that works quite good. And I think, certainly as a GP myself, um, I think that ability to have that, you know, that flexibility and work more on a sessional basis is certainly really, really helpful for that. Um, yeah, I mean, so say you th-
1: can't do that if you, you can't go overseas, if you do um, another career, I think you just have to decide what's your priority whereas for me the expedition and the global health was probably more of the priority and I knew that I wanted to do quite a lot of that rather than just one perhaps two trips a year so I don't think I'm not saying that you can't do it if you unless you choose um, a more flexible career but you just have to be more choosy with what you with what you take up.
0: Sure yeah and um, so I I know that you sort of started getting more involved with um, sort of global health things even before medical school is that right back in sort of the late 90s uh
1: yes yeah that's right uh that was probably what really drove me into medical school was just working um in a in a clinic that was being set up in east africa in kenya in fact and sort of living with one of the local nurses there for some time and really getting to know the communities and seeing the challenges of the health system that the people face there um and i think that was what really drove me to to want to take on my place in medical school
0: Sure. So was that whilst you were um, sort of at school, was it, or during the holidays? Uh, that how, was how, how, how it, how
1: it between out. school and university. Um, I am not the brightest star in the sky, and I wasn't convinced that I was going to manage to get the grades to get into medical school. So I took a year between, uh, just in case I needed to redo uh-huh. any um, any of my A-levels. Um, thankfully, I didn't. Oh, no, that's a mess. <laughs> and... Well, luckily I didn't and um, and I did manage to get the grades to get in. So it meant that I could, I worked for a bit and then went travelling um, and where I just okay. kind of by chance fell upon this opportunity, which was, yeah, which was fantastic.
0: Yeah, and whereabouts in, in uh, Kenya was that then? So
1: that was quite near Mount Kenya, near a place called, sort of between Nanyuki and Isiolo.
0: Okay. And are you still in contact with the... Um... With that program? At all. You're still I leave tomorrow
1: that. with my four year old daughter to go and do some ongoing ah. health work there. So, yes, oh, very much so. Um, so, yeah, we still do a lot of primary care there, but the project has since um, expanded massively. We now have numerous other strands, uh, set up a charity called Future Health Africa, um, which has many different strands trauma and orthopedics, maternity, quality improvement, nursing training um and a community health project as well called team talk and those all have now individual project leads i don't lead on any of those projects now um they all have their own it'd be
0: quite a lot to to do wouldn't it i suppose given all, all your other commitments and having having young children there's certainly a lot of a lot of projects
1: there yeah but that's what's been amazing that's what's been great is to see other people uh come into this and kind of share the same passion that I've had for it and then be able to take on the projects themselves and and now run them and I'm very grateful to them for that yeah Um, but yeah
0: absolutely um, and are they are they uh, mainly sort of Kenyan stakeholders now have you managed to sort of is it handed over to sort of the Kenyan medical system is it quite sustainable do you think or is it sort of a mixture of people as well
1: yeah um that's a really important question um All of our projects are very different in that respect, but they all, yes, they all have Kenyan leads and they all are sustainable in in certain aspects. Um, Some of the hospitals we worked on for trauma now run their own trauma projects and we use their surgeons to come to new hospitals. So that's uh, been really successful. Some of the primary care clinics, I don't really go back to anymore because they're running themselves really well. Uh, But in order to move forwards and progress, I guess we always... um, try and find or offer our services to new places and I, depending on what you're doing it certainly takes between about three and five years to really get the local sustainability um, implemented and running on its own.
0: Sure and is this just within Kenya or is it sort of in, in other African countries as well?
1: The main projects that we run are mostly in Kenya. I do do other international health consultancy work in other areas of East Africa and I've also been to Malawi, Zambia, um namibia and south africa doing health consultancy work but that's more a solo thing if you like but future health africa at the moment is mostly um kenyan based um and uk you know we've got a lot of volunteers in the uk doing stuff you don't have to go overseas to do global health a lot of it is is also based within the uk um putting what we learn into practice here in our own nhs system
0: Mm, sort of developing policies and protocols I suppose that kind of thing is it or
1: yeah I think it's very much about around what Nigel Chris calls of reciprocal learning um and co-development that you learn an enormous amount and both professionally and personally through um working collaboratively with um other health systems and people working in those and I think that learning can is very you know you can transfer it very much into your own um into your own place of work um and we see that a lot with our volunteers, which
0: is great. Yeah, that's that sounds sounds really good. Yeah, speaking of, uh, of Nigel Crisp, I had uh, read briefly sort of the first part of his book, Turning the World Upside Down. Um, as probably advised by yourself actually <laughs> during um during the module for for the expedition and, and wilderness medicine diploma up in um in Glasgow. Mm. Um Tell me a bit more how you got in, involved with sort of that side of things. Because you do a lot of a lot of teaching as well, don't you?
1: Um, yeah, that was probably how I first got into expedition medicine. I'm very grateful to a friend and, and mentor of mine, um, John Dallimore, um, and James Moore as well. But John particularly, John was a um, a doctor at the BRI at the time that I was training as a medical student and did a lot of this expedition medicine and taught for a company – um, Wilderness this medical training before he went on to set up the diploma in Glasgow the one that you did um, yeah. and I think as a medical student he encouraged me to come on the course which I did um, and then he invited me back to teach on the um, where on the advanced um, first aid courses that they were teaching to expedition leaders um, and other lay oh, people okay. so I taught on that for a bit and then went on to teach on the medics course once I'd gained a bit more experience so again I think it's like all these things, I now try and give as many opportunities as I can to medical students or junior doctors coming through because I was really lucky to be given those chances by people when I was trying to get into it. Um, so that was how I got into the teaching side of things. And then, of course, when you're teaching, it was it was actually through teaching um, at the Royal Geographic Society um, on one of the Expedition Leaders courses um, that I met one of the producers who went on then to produce Planet Earth and asked me to come back to do that as a medic. So, like all these things, it's kind of like you know one opportunity leads to the next, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely, I suppose. And each each thing you do opens new doors, doesn't it? it gives you new contacts and 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 opportunities. Yes. Um. So, what I suppose? What sort of advice do you have for? junior doctors um sort of medical students coming to the end of medical school about sort of getting involved and sort of getting more experience
1: um i think two bits of advice really that i would have is the first on the expedition side is is just go out there and get looking for it and say yes to any opportunity that comes your way um you know, really get involved, go on a few courses, meet some people, um, and don't be afraid to to step up and just and go. Um, I I'm the senior medical advisor for British Exploring Society, and they're a fantastic organisation because they mm-hmm. take both junior and senior medics. So if you're a bit nervous about your first trip, mm-hmm. you could go as a junior medic, or if you don't have that much experience yet, you could go as a as a junior medic and then kind of be mentored by. The senior medic on the trip. There's not many expeditions that I know of that offer two two medic places per expedition. Um, sure,
0: yes, certainly. Uh, having been to Canada in in the summer with British Exploring, I yeah, I'd agree. I'd highly recommend recommend them as an organisation, and they also go to quite a lot of exciting places that not all other expedition companies necessarily go to as well. So, yeah, that was is a great a great organization yeah
1: they do they really they take obviously their sort of safety side really seriously but not at the expense of compromising a, a real expedition and I think that's great
0: yeah they sort of try and go down back to basics a little bit don't yeah. they and um I suppose rather than every year going to the same the same place they try and mix it up a bit vary it and uh Certainly the bit I liked about it was the way in which it focuses more on young people and, and youth development yeah. alongside obviously the traveling side of things and the scenery is all is all amazing as well, but it's very nice to see the way in which um it's also benefiting so many sort of of the participants, I suppose. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, no, that it was it was brilliant. And I think my, my second piece of advice to medics coming through would be to really really get stuck in with the clinical skills as well um make sure that you've done an A&E job or two and make sure that you've um if you're not getting the skills that you think you'll need to to go and ask the probably the, the nurses or the AMPs who work in the department say you know can you show me how to suture really well can you show me how to put on a splint and a back slab and um and all these things because i think it's all very well having the expedition experience but you you need to have your clinical skills really at your fingertips and be confident in those and I had um I was faced with that very much actually on it was on a British exploring trip in fact when um I had a young 16 year old who just out of nowhere dropped like a stone with altitude sickness and I think he had haste just below 6,000 meters and it was freezing cold, gusting 50 mile an hour winds, everyone had altitude sickness and suddenly you've got to fiddle around trying to get lines in, trying to open bottles of decks um, and even for me and I thought I was pretty confident and competent with simple things like that but it really challenged me and I think that made me realise that you have to be doing those those core cool clinical skills um, regularly so that when you're challenged to do things like that in, in those kind of environments um, you're able to. So so definitely say yes to expedition opportunities, but also make sure that your um, clinical skills are there as well so that you can do the job. That Absolutely, because
0: there there's so many external factors, I suppose, isn't there? Um, even if you're just working on events in this country, you know, it could be dark, wet, cold and you can't really tell what you're doing. Um, so where do you think the best place you've mentioned a few, a few of the uh, trips you've done? Where do you think your your best expedition has been to
1: my best expedition one of the best expeditions I did um was was with a charity group um mm-hmm. and it was actually another we keep coming back to British exploring but it was but it was a charitable arm and it was with it was oh, with their okay. charitable arm so all the all the young explorers who were on it had either were what we call neets, not in education assessment or training. And essentially what that transpired to is that they'd nearly all been in care um, or prison. Yes. Uh, and a few of them just were being allowed off tag, off their tags to come on this trip. Oh, okay. And there was a lot so of men- was
0: an international. Trip as yeah, well, it was, was an it?
1: international trip. We went to, to Norway, which I'd not been to. So that was amazing. Um, and then sailed back from Norway on a tall ship. Um, the reason it was so so fantastic was seeing the development of those young people through through the course of that expedition and afterwards and staying how many of them came back and got jobs in starbucks in mountain warehouse in those and seeing the elation on their sort of facebook posts of managing to actually get their first job and putting that down to the experience that they'd had and i think my own learning there i'm often quite an impatient person um and okay. I learned a huge amount from um, our expedition leader, Tom Abbey, was phenomenal on that trip, as were all the other mentors, and watching how they either pushed or supported or comforted the 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 YUs through that trip and they knew they knew what to do yeah, and when to just, do just it.
0: Just to clarify YUs as just um, the young the young explorers. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think I think for me it just I just took a huge amount back from that into my own working environment into how I talk to patients and mm. I think it made me to be honest I just think it made me a better person and a better doctor that entire trip it was it was
0: it's it uh, sounds very very powerful I mean certainly if you have you know if you're coming from a slightly disadvantaged background or if you maybe do have a mental health condition you know going to to Norway or to the to the middle of nowhere to a wilderness environment is I mean, it's a challenge for for a lot of people, even if you've done something like that before. So I think it's a it's a great achievement for 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 people going out and doing these things. Um, and that sounds like that's been reflected in in some of the outcomes as well. So that's that's really good to hear.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. It was like like many expeditions, which um, I would say probably all my trips to the jungle include this. It was challenging at the time, but when you come back and reflect on it, you realise yeah. how good it was.
0: Yes well that leads me quite nicely on to to my next question which was going to be I suppose what is the worst trip or the trip where you think actually this you know hasn't gone to plan it's just not been what it was supposed to be I I guess.
1: Um. Yeah and I think I've answered that without doubt a jungle trip I think my duty to the jungle yeah. is done <laughs> uh, some people love it it's just not really for me. Uh, I've done three jungle okay. expeditions now, and I think I think I'm probably going to draw a line under it now. Um, the other, yeah. it wasn't only challenging because of the environment. Um, I can cope with jungle. We also had a real challenge in that one of the leaders, um, and I can probably I can talk about this now. Uh, it's been so long since the event, uh, but one of the leaders had a mental health condition that wasn't diagnosed, wasn't see, well, they stopped right. taking their their mental health medication and they didn't disclose it and non-disclosure is a huge problem both in yes. uh participants and as i hadn't expected but and in leaders um mm, and yes. they deteriorated quite rapidly on that trip and it made it made right. it a really uh very very challenging trip but it, again you know once you've got back and everyone is safe and sound at home you know reflecting on it i think we all learnt we all learnt a lot from it
0: yes and i suppose a lot comes down obviously we focused on sort of the dynamics between maybe participants and and medics but a lot of it also comes down as you said to how your expedition leader is or the rest of the the leadership team doesn't it
1: exactly exactly and i i've been fortunate um i've worked with some great leaders um many of whom i keep up to date with now but yeah I have had a few expeditions where the leaders have been uh difficult challenging or not what I'd expected and um and that's you know that's part of the rich pageant of expedition medicine and of life and you have to work out how you're going to
0: yeah and that. I and I guess it's it's the same in in the NHS or any any walk of life isn't it different personality types and um it's, I suppose it's part of of your own personal development. Uh, speaking from my own experience as well, and it's um, it's as part of the experience, I guess. And it's, it, as you say, looking back on it, it's always yeah, it doesn't seem as bad as it as it was maybe at the time. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: So we've established that the jungle is a bit like marmite. Mm-hmm. Um, you're staying away from it maybe for a bit. But so, what do you reckon your favourite wilderness environment is?
1: I'm quite lucky. I don't tend to get bad altitude sickness, so I think altitude is probably my my favorite location. Somewhere high, um, I do love the Himalayas. Um, I've had some great fun on the polar expeditions there as well, so I like that. But pro- probably cold and high is, is is where I'm happiest.
0: Yeah, I suppose there's not as much stuff that can eat. You.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> there is. There is that. Um, exactly
0: and i suppose moving on to the question that i'm sure everyone everyone asks you so what what was it like doing uh, planet earth and working with uh, david oh Aspergeron? i
1: was so fortunate daniel i really was he was he he is just such an amazing um amazing man so humble so knowledgeable um it was incredible to work with him and i was really lucky to be able to do that um as in as with everything it's not just i guess about david it was about the team um yeah sure, the whole yes. team was great um made some good friends through the cameramen and sound producers um and the producers of planet earth so it yeah it was a great experience to be able to do that
0: yeah and for those people who might not know just uh tell us a little bit about sort of what you were doing particularly sort of i suppose it's the, the scene i'm thinking about is the one at one at the end of of the series
1: um in the end in the hot air balloon or yeah so well it's yeah the no, no, well, way. um well on the planet earth and blue planet um they either they deem that it for insurance purposes it would be better to have a doctor there when david was traveling um that was just what was decreed by the bbc so i was very fortunate that, that i was able to do that um so i was essentially there to be his Doctor, but then also if they were going to high risk locations or where evacuation was going to be an issue, um, or decision making around mm. evacuations, um, which could compromise a trip, they also wanted a doctor on those trips. So, such as um, Antarctica for Blue Planet. Um, but yeah, so why was very lucky?
0: Did he, was he in and did he come out? He didn't Antarctica?
1: go out to Antarctica, so he wasn't there. But the no. decision to have to evacuate someone would have been would have probably pulled um, pulled the plug on the entire trip. So uh the decision was made that it was better to have a doctor there able to make that decision as to whether someone did need to be evacuated or not um and obviously to treat anything else that happened Mm. during the trip um
0: sure and and did you feel i suppose because there's so many budgets and pressure involved i suppose when working with with bbc or or kind of media organizations did you find that it was difficult balancing that with I suppose, your, with your medical hat on as well and trying to... Did you have to kind of come to any compromises? Did it affect the way decision-making happened and things? Yeah,
1: that's a really interesting point. And I've reflected a lot on that, having now worked with the media in various capacities quite a lot. Um, and I now do a talk based on ethics in media medicine. Um, and I think it does. I think um, when you're working closely within a really tight-knit team and you know that they have this, this goal... Um, That the whole purpose of you being there is to achieve this goal um it it clearly it does affect any medical decisions that you have to make and i think being objective uh can be really really difficult and i've certainly been challenged by that not just on the not just working with david or the um with bbc but on various other trips as well that i've done that have been media trips so i think you do have to be quite careful
0: okay yeah i suppose that's uh it can be a bit of a conflict of interest, and I suppose you know sometimes if if they are if they're trying to get certain footage, sometimes that the risk to get it can be you know a bit out of context with um, what they're going to get out of it. But uh, I suppose it's, it's like with everything; it's just getting that that balance and uh, weighing up the pros and the cons.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and you've got to make sure that that you're primary role is to be a doctor first you're there for your patients and your or your clients who essentially are your patients you are not there to make sure that everyone sees great Sunday evening tv you're there to make sure that everyone stays safe and well um, and that's that's your primary focus but it's making sure you maintain that focus
0: yeah no absolutely and so I suppose the future so you're flying out to Kenya yeah that's tomorrow, right so i won't keep you for too much longer have, have you all packed after this
1: podcast daniel after this <laughs> after,
0: after this excellent and so how long are you out there do you have any any other plans any other um, exciting projects so in the pipeline the
1: next two weeks i am um, uh, the first week i'm going out with some southwest emergency medicine consultants because we're developing um emergency medicine global health fellowships which we um will hope will attract um doctors into emergency medicine he wants to become sort of global emergency medics if you like um, so they'll do that for a year oh, okay. where they work um 75 or 80 percent in the uk and then spend uh 20 of their time which will equate to about six to eight weeks um in a hospital um hopefully our link hospital in naniki district hospital in kenya doing some quality improvement work and supporting Uh, The development of emergency services overseas. So that's quite an exciting new project on the go. That's that's yeah. Yeah, So uh, I'm flying out with them. Then they go home, and then I head up north with up to right up to the Northern Territories um, with my daughter. And we, I've been doing a lot of work with an organisation called Northern Rangelands Trust, um, which is primarily about supporting communities, land, and wildlife in the northern territories of Kenya and up into South Sudan um, and Ethiopia and I help advise them on how to improve health outcomes in in those very rural areas.
0: And that that sounds more I suppose getting more into public health side of things is that is it more of that sort of role? There's so many
1: facets to it which is why I find it really fascinating. (laughs)
0: No, well, yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting. Um, well, I've got one more question for you, and then I'll let you get on with your your packing. um So, in some of my research for for the podcast, I had a look on uh, I think it was on the Plymouth Plymouth.ac.uk's website because um, you're uh, the the program lead there, aren't you, for global health um for the masters? And at the bottom, it says that you're a rubbish cook. <laughs> Um, And I just had one question just to finish that. So if you did have to make dinner, I don't know, for David Attenborough or John (laughs) Dalimore, or, you know, a dinner party of some sort,
1: what would you make? Actually, because I like to fit 100 things into my day, I've actually got dinner for eight this evening. Um, So after I've packed and picked up the kids, I will be making dinner. Uh, My staple, my one dish wonder of a one-trip pony is normally roast chicken. (laughs) Uh, And I do do a mean roast potato, but that's about it. But I'm actually going a bit off piste. We were given a slow cooker by a friend um, who was moving out and didn't need it. So I'm now going to make a lamb, a Moroccan lamb tagine in our slow cooker um so oh. but i have worn them i've put on our whatsapp group to make sure that everyone has a big lunch and that someone else to bring pudding so yeah. that if it all goes horribly wrong uh, they won't go hungry
0: <laughs> well Wish excellent well uh thank you very much for uh, for joining for joining me that sounds like a <laughs> great dinner and certainly yeah uh, yeah we had some good tagines in, in morocco so i'll send you I'm a sure picture of the uh, tagine. i normally uh,
1: manage to ruin it somehow <laughs>
0: Excellent. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much and I hope you have a great time in um great in Kenya. Awesome. Um and um
1: brilliant.
0: Yeah. So yes, I look forward to hearing how Lucy's uh, tajine comes on. Um if you're interested in any of the topics uh, discussed in the podcast, uh, please look on our website www.thewildernessmedic.com and uh, there will be some links to the masters and some of the charities and projects that Lucy is involved in. If you've liked this podcast, please consider subscribing. Um, uh, we also have a blog on, on the website as well. And if you are interested in contributing or being a guest on our podcast, please uh, contact us on contact.thewildernessmedic at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Wilderness Medic or on Twitter at Wilderness Med UK. Until next time, take care.